0: Well, I want to begin by welcoming uh, all of you that watch online. I hear every week from people around the world. I've already heard today from some people in Eastern Europe, and I know that right now there are some military people in Germany that are watching. And I just want to welcome all of you, and thank you for being a part of our family. I would encourage you to go to the Harvest website and learn more about uh, our missionaries and the places in the world where we feel like God is calling us to go. And read the blogs. They will uh, touch your heart. It's one reason why I chose the book of Jonah for this season in our church's life. Because Jonah reminds us that you can have a strong, orthodox faith in God. And you can be a morally upright person. And still not have God's heart. Jonah embraced God's moral will, but he did not affirm God's global will. And Jonah knew that when God said, go and preach against Nineveh, that God was doing that because he was really for Nineveh. And that if Nineveh responded in repentance, God would save them. And Jonah felt that was a mistake. That Israel's enemies needed to be destroyed, not rescued. So he just couldn't go there. And he went as far in the other direction as he thought he could go. And we saw that no matter what your move is, God has a counter move. And so on that boat, God sends a storm. And what follows is a series of events that makes Jonah face the reality that these pagan people he despises in many ways are more noble and decent than he is. But his bigotry is so intense, he would rather die than see non-Israelite people live. So he says, throw me over. And that's where we pick up the story. We're going to start in the very last verse of chapter 1 for review and read chapter 2. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me from you forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. what is the point of the story of Jonah? And he replied, people make whales sick. And that is a good point. And suppose the story ended with Jonah being thrown overboard. Suppose it stopped at verse 16 of chapter 1. Well, the moral would be, don't be like Jonah. Don't run from God. And don't disobey God if you don't want to wind up Like Jonah. And it would have been a good point. But the story would have been a downer. And instead. This incredible story starts to turn up. And it begins not with deeds. But with words. From inside the fish. Jonah prayed. To the Lord his God. Okay, we'll just say it. This is where the story goes from being incredible to being incredulous. Because you can't live inside a fish, much less pray. Now, I remember when I was in Sunday school and I was taught the story of Jonah. And I remember the picture of Jonah on the flannel graph. And everybody under 40, Google flannel graph. And there he was in this big, huge cavern inside the whale. He was under a blanket. His head was on a pillow. He had awesome long hair with lots of product in it and rocking an awesome beard. And there was a little fire going off to the side. (laughs) That's not what it was happening, okay? He is in the intestines of a fish, okay? He's probably not conscious more than he is conscious. When he is conscious, he's claustrophobic. His stomach is churning. He's probably vomiting constantly. There is stench and there's goo and mucus and acids it's horrible and it's hard to believe if you have a small God you see this is depicted clearly as an act of God the God that provided the storm provided the fish So years ago in Philadelphia, the great preacher Donald Gray Barnhouse was speaking on a Sunday night, a room filled mainly with students from the colleges in the area, preaching on the time in the wilderness when it says the children of Israel's sandals didn't wear out. And right in the middle of a sermon, this skeptical student stood up and said, you can't walk 40 years and your sandals not wear out. How can you explain that? And the old preacher looked at him and said, God. And the young man meekly sat down and said, oh, I understand. And the old preacher said, no, son. No one understands. The big fish is only a problem if you have a small God. Okay, A man can't live inside a fish three days. Any more than a corpse can lay in a grave for three days and come back from the dead. Unless God is all about it. You see, I don't think the fish story is, even makes my top ten hardest to believe stories in the Bible. The reason it gets so much skepticism, in my opinion, is because Jesus directly connects this story to his death and his resurrection. And Satan knows, if I can destroy belief in the resurrection, I destroy the foundation of Of the Christian faith. So you have to decide how big is your God. But it's pretty clear the people that read this for the first time had a big God. And that's why the author doesn't even focus on how he did it. He focuses on what he did. And from inside the fish. Jonah prayed. And nobody has ever had a more unique prayer closet. Now, the very first readers would have noticed something that many of us probably didn't notice. Every line of this prayer is a quote from the Psalms. It's a very composed prayer. I doubt he prayed the whole thing just like we read it, I think when he would come to, he would say a little something, go back out of consciousness, come to again. And when he got out, he just remembered all the things he thought and he put them together in a powerful prayer. And it's safe for us, like all the other prayers in the Bible, because prayers have a very didactic function. In other words, why do we have the prayers of people in the Bible? Because they teach us. Now, we all know this. We all know that some people preach while they pray don't they i've heard people give announcements while they were praying (laughs) i've heard people imply what candidate we ought to vote for while they were praying one good uh, brother with the church i used to preach at whenever he would pray for the sick he would also give the hospital and the room number in the prayer And I always wondered, are you afraid God is going to walk into the wrong room and say, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) He was talking to us. I remember when our children were little, Jamie made supper one night. She made some chicken and some corn and some rolls and some salad. And she didn't usually do this, but she put mushrooms on the salad. We asked our son, Michael, who at the time was three years old, to say the prayer for our food. And I'll never forget. Dear God, thank you for the chickens and help them to grow so we can eat them. And thank you for the wheat and help it to grow so we can have bread. And help the corn to grow so we can have it. And help the lettuce to grow so we can eat salad. And help the mushrooms to grow. For the people who like to eat them. (laughs) And so one reason we have prayers in the Bible is because prayers can preach. And this prayer does. It proclaims some great theological truths about God. That God is completely sovereign. Notice Jonah said, you hurled me into the sea. Now I know sailors, the sailors technically did. But this was part of your plan, God. You were in charge. And he preaches God's fidelity and God's worthiness to be praised. Notice this is not a lament prayer. This is a thanksgiving prayer. He is worshiping God. And the prayer reveals a man with orthodox theology. Who really does believe in God. And who really does want to hold on to God. Even when it would be easy to let go. I only have one problem with the words that Jonah sent up. Jonah does not give up. Go back and check. He never says, I'm sorry. He never says, and God, I was wrong. Give me another chance to go back to Nineveh, and with joy I will obey you. He's resigned, but he's not repentant. When he's in a jam, Jonah is perfectly willing to ask God to be an object of his mercy. But he doesn't want to be an agent. Of God's mercy. Jonah is such a confusing mixture of dignity and depravity. And honestly, isn't that one reason why we relate to him? Because I'm Jonah, and you're Jonah. And think about some of the prayers we've prayed. Sometimes we just said the words. Oh, they were good words. But we were just saying them. And sometimes we really meant the words. And many times. We really wanted to mean the words. But we were having a hard time getting up for it. You see, Jonah gives voice to this complex faith struggle that is going on in all of us. Can I tell you something you already knew? I preach a lot better than I live. I'm better at words than I am at life. I pray a whole lot better than I live. And you do too. You see, God doesn't have a choice but to do good through people who sometimes wrestle with wanting to do good Noah, Abraham, David, Peter. This runs all through the Bible. The reality is we have all had in the belly of the fish moments in our lives. Where we are wrestling with what kind of relationship with God we really want to have. And it's not a great place to live. But it's a great place to learn. So the next time you're down, I want you to try some of these up words, okay? And here's the first suggestion. I want you to send up a prayer, no matter where you are. And I don't just mean physically, I mean emotionally, I mean spiritually. You say, well, shouldn't I wait to get my act together before I pray? Listen, prayer is especially for people who don't have their act together. Like Jonah. And like us. God listens to desperate people. Praying prayers in desperate situations. Even if their own bad choices created the situation. And let's be honest. A lot of the times when we were in the belly of the fish. It was nobody's fault but our own. For the choices that we had made. But here's the truth you can't sink so low that your words cannot get up to God. You can't rebel your way out of the redemptive reach of God. I find it interesting, three times in this little short book, people pray. The sailors pray, the Ninevites pray, and Jonah prays. And you might argue that none of them deserve to have their prayers heard. But every single time, God responds. And oh, by the way, God would rather have you pray late than never. I don't care where you are physically. Well, this isn't an appropriate place to pray. Your belly of the fish is exactly where you ought to pray. I don't care where you are emotionally. I'm just not feeling it. Pray anyway. I don't care where you are spiritually. Well, I'm just not very close to God right now. Pray. Listen to me. Prayer doesn't work because you're good. Prayer works because God is good. Wherever you are. Send up a prayer. And this will help when you do, okay? You need to store up sacred words for desperate times. It's pretty obvious, Jonah had basically memorized the book of the Psalms. And here's the genius about the Psalms. Now, if you've written a poem, if you've written a song, there was something in your life that kind of inspired you in that moment. And that's how the Psalms were written. But the genius of the Psalms is that they're relevant to all moments. And so here, 3,000 years later, we're reading these songs and saying, hey, I relate to that. That feels like where I am right now. Because sometimes you're in a place in your relationship with God And you don't have the words. So use somebody else's. Somebody else has been there. Use their words. Say, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, but how many times have I read a psalm or heard an old hymn that speaks to me and I start to sing it. And before I'm through, my feelings get closer to where I wanted to be so gordon MacDonald, well-known christian minister and author says in 1956 he started senior year at his preparatory school in new england and the headmaster a man named frank gablin had all the boys memorize over 300 verses in the bible in order to graduate they had to make these little index cards. And he might stop them in the hall. He might stop them at lunch or on the ball field and said, give me verse so and so. And they had to do it. And one of the verses they had to memorize was Psalm 46. God is my refuge and my strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Will the earth be removed and the mountains be thrown into the sea? So he memorized Psalm 46. He graduated and like all the other boys, took those index cards and threw them away. And so it's 56 years later. And he gets that phone call that's waiting for all of us if we live long enough. Gordon, you've got a tumor in your brain. It has to come out. And the very first words that came to his mind. God is my refuge and my strength. ever present help in time of trouble. Therefore I will not fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be thrown into the sea. And he says I was still concerned. But not inclined to be fearful. Because over 50 years ago. A man had me store sacred words. And here's the truth. When you lift up sacred words. You will find that sacred words. Start to lift you up. So store some up. And one more thing, when you're in the belly of the fish, stir up memories of God's saving grace. Because faith is always built up by remembering. And so Jonah prays, but you brought my life up from the pit. I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. You see, it is good when you pray the memories of the times in your life when God was good to you. And so, uh, Pastor H.B. Charles says there's a woman in his church. And every time she was asked to pray, she prayed. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. She was so consistent. She said the teenagers would sometimes giggle when she started to pray because they knew what was coming. And so somebody asked her one time, why is that your prayer? She explained, well, I live in a real tough part of town. Sometimes at night, the bullets fly outside our home. And I get my baby and we spend the night in the floor. And all night long, I just pray, oh Lord, oh Lord. And if we get up in the morning and the Bullets are gone, I say, thank you, Jesus. And then I take my baby and I put her on that bus and she goes to a really tough school. And I just see her as she drives away, oh Lord, oh Lord. And at three o'clock, if she gets off that bus, I say, thank you, Jesus. And so when I come to church, and I think about how good God was to me last week, I put together my two prayers, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. It's up lifting to look back at what God has been up to in your life and here's the thing you got to notice what God's been doing in your life a lot of times is not what you expected not even what you wanted but exactly what you needed and that's what Jonah is saying about the fish you understand the fish was not Jonah's sentence the fish Horrible as it was, was Jonah's salvation. Jonah dies if God doesn't send the fish. And isn't it true in your life? You can look back on some things you went through and you can say, I didn't want it. I didn't expect it. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I thank God that I went through it. And amazing grace has got to be constantly and intentionally remembered. That's one reason why in our church, every week if you come, we're going to take a moment. We're going to take some bread and we're going to take a cup. Because it is good to remember how good God has been to save us. John Dixon given this lecture at this university. And it was titled, The Wounds of God. And he was explaining to the college students the basic Christian message of good news. That God in flesh, in the person of Jesus, would go and die for our sins. And when the lecture was over, it was question answer time. And immediately, a Muslim leader on campus stood up and said, this is preposterous. You're teaching that God... The creator of all causes could be subject to causes that God would have to eat and sleep and go to a bathroom. That he who created all causes could then be caused pain by something he created. He said this is not just illogical. This is blasphemous. And John Dixon said, I didn't have a witty comeback. All I could do was thank him. And say, I appreciate that you have articulated for this audience. The significant difference between the Islamic and Christian conception of God. Because what some would call blasphemous. We call precious. Some would say God on a cross. Is as ridiculous. As a man living inside a fish. But if you are desperate. For salvation. It is good news. And it is your only. Prayer. It will keep you going when you're in the belly of the fish and you won't give up because you know God doesn't give up God gives mulligans in fact my f- favorite verse in the book of Jonah is one many don't even notice it's the very next verse it starts chapter 3 and then the word of the lord Came to Jonah. A second time. Because God is faithful. Even when we have trouble being faithful. And That ought to build us up. And so. A number of years ago. I went on a trip. And while I was on that trip. I made a decision. That in my opinion. Compromised. My integrity. If I told you what I did. Most of you would say. That's no big thing. I do that all the time. But apparently it was a big thing to the Holy Spirit. Because I came under heavy conviction. As the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart. Can I trust you in a place of influence to be a person of integrity? And I had about a four hour car trip home. It was one of the longest days of my life. I'm telling you, I couldn't pray, I couldn't find words. The only words that came to me were from the Psalms one verse. 51, 12. Oh Lord. Restore to me the joy. Of my salvation. I I didn't think. I had lost. My salvation. But I wasn't feeling it. And so if I said it once. I bet I said it a thousand times. Oh Lord. Restore to me. The joy of my salvation. About 20 or 30 minutes from home. I drove by a church. I have driven by. Hundreds. Of times. And not one time. Has there ever been on the sign of that church. A scripture verse. There was that day. Do you want to guess what it was? Restore. To me. The joy of my salvation. And you can say well that was a coincidence. But you would be wrong. (laughs) The word of the Lord came to me. A second time. Saying I will never give up on you. God doesn't give up. God does not let go. And mercy is only a prayer away. So let me pray over you. And Father, right now somebody needs mercy. Somebody listening to these words is in the belly of the fish. They're struggling with faith. They don't even know how to talk to you about it, God. Give them words. Give them your words. Give them the peace that comes from knowing that you don't let go. In the calm, but in the storm. In the highs and in the lows. You never let go. And so God, we look up. And pray for mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like everyone to stand up. If you're on our prayer team. Either downstairs or upstairs. Would you take your place. This is your moment to come. Come and ask for prayer. Come and ask to be baptized. Just come and say. I'm tired of living in the belly. Come. Because mercy is a prayer away and God never lets go.